Thursday edition of Smith and Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. And we come to you a day after the Toronto Raptors take care of business against the Minnesota Timberwolves in a bit of a bizarre game, I suppose, in some senses. Minnesota came out really hot, established their, what we thought, dominance on the road on Toronto's home floor. Jones, they go up 10 after one quarter. They lead by as many as 17. Then the Raptors flip the script, go up two into the half, end up wiping out Minnesota's lead, end up dominating the second half en route to a 20-plus point blowout victory and a win that comes on a night when the Cavs also lose. And now the Raptors two up in the Eastern Conference standings in terms of that battle with 6-7 and right on the heels of the Chicago Bulls tied with the same record but Chicago with the tie break ahead of the Raptors so now you're not only trying to hold off seven but you're really eyeballing five more than ever before it's going to be a horse racey it really really is and you know we, we say it all the time um, don't you wish that you could have some games back I mean, everybody laments that. Everybody has that lament. But beginning of the year, the game where you led Cleveland for 47 minutes and 52 seconds, and they scored and took their first lead with under 10 seconds to go, and you lose the game. Or, And I'm not even talking about the Detroit. Well, maybe I should talk about the Detroit-Orlando ones uh, because those were schedule losses. But as you pointed out in, I don't know if we, do we let the people in on this on the paper listen? Like I don't know if we've talked about this on air, but you know, you get you lose Orlando Detroit, but then you, you go get Phoenix Denver. So do you figure right. you're even or you know? But there's definitely a few games. You just love to have one or two of them back. And as we say, those games in November, they're the ones you're scratching for and scrapping for in in late March and early April. And here we are, you know, March thirty first and Four four teams, you know, jammed in there. Three four teams jammed in there between five, five and eight, trying to avoid the play. And it's it's uh, it's funny how the 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 sporting universe works, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It really is. It really is. And I'm starting to see over the last uh, 24, 36 hours a few more rumbles, finally, uh, about the Raptors from uh, you know our our brethren stateside. And and some people well, might say can't who cares ignore it now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say some people might say who cares what they think, but it does matter because it says we've talked at great length about it. it influences voters, it influences public opinion, it influences networks and and the league and everything else. So it it does matter. And you're right, Jonesy. They can't be ignored. Uh, not only where they stand right now, and maybe we haven't made enough of a big deal about this. Take a look, folks, at the records in the NBA since the flip of the calendar and then tell me how real or not the Raptors are they're legit we're talking a top three team right now since the flip of the calendar and if I'm not mistaken if it's not the best it's among the top two or three records against the top seeds in the east and the top seeds in the west Combine that with a pretty solid road record and a home record that's now starting to turn a little bit more in their favor after the bumps and, 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 and kind of lumps that Toronto was taking on their home floor at the beginning of the year. You said it best, Jonesy. They can't be ignored now. No. Um, 
And, and and it's it's kind of funny that they, it seems like, um, you know, people are are are, are paying attention <laughs> now that uh, paying attention now that we've come to the playoffs. And I I don't I don't think it's coincidence that people are suddenly looking saying, holy cow, we might have to play Toronto, or you know our 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 friends in the U.S. our colleagues nationally in the U.S. are going. Wow, Toronto's in six. Like, they're ahead of Brooklyn. Like, Atlanta's, you know, conference championship for or conference championship appearance from last year. Really, it really ha- they never did catch fire. You know, they they never did get on their horse and and run people down. And boy, the Nets are still struggling. Look, look, there's Toronto ahead of. And this is the argument for for me in terms of Scotty Scotty Barnes in the Rookie of the Year. And, and people watching. I know we're going to have Jared Greenberg on, our buddy, and, and, and he's got a vote, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold his feet to the fire. Um, Cleveland got out to a great start, and everybody was talking about how well Evan Mobley was playing. Meanwhile, even though they were down in 8, 9, and kind of going up and down the scale a bit, Scotty Barnes was still contributing. And this is I know this is a chat you and I had yesterday at the arena, and people will say, well, why does it matter? Because as you said... These are the people that vote. And so everybody basically still, I think, has Evan Mobley as the rookie of the year. Well, hold on a second. Look at their numbers. They are so close between Scotty and Evan. Like, really, really close. Now let's, let's, let's go. You want some other numbers? Scotty's the only rookie to have 1,000 points and 500 rebounds this year. Uh, he's the only rookie in the top five. Points, rebounds. Assists, steals, blocks, minutes. Um, and, and that counts Cade Cunningham in that too. So while Mobley got out to a great start and Cunningham has been playing really well and people have been trumpeting how well he's been doing and the rookie of the year isn't always associated with a team that's winning, well, hold on a second. Scotty Barnes' team is winning. And they are ahead of both of those guys. And Cunningham's got great numbers, but he's not impacting winning. Oh, I know he doesn't have a great cast around him. Well, sorry. You know, would he be scoring those numbers on a team with Pascal Siakam and, and Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananobi? I don't think so. So to me, that levels the playing field. And then look at the eye test. I don't think Evan Mobley has the same responsibilities as Scotty Barnes. Is he guarding all five positions? Does, does Nick Nurse say to him, all right, uh, you got to guard Marcus Smart. All right, you guard LaMelo Ball. Oh, really? They switch? Okay. Uh, you know, you, you guard Kevin Durant or you guard Julius Randle. Oh, by the way, run our offense. Initiate our offense. I don't think he has the same responsibilities. And that's where the eye test comes in, Ian. I've said this. I would love to know how many games that some of the voters have sat down and watched Toronto wire to wire. You could probably count it on one hand. Okay, let me throw one more at you, or a couple more at you, Jonesy, just to add. To, this is this is. I don't know that you need to necessarily build it for Jared. We don't know for sure that Jared isn't voting for for Scotty Barnes, but but I think you should repeat all of what you just said to Jared, just to get his take on it, Jonesy, when he joins us later on the show. Plus Doug Smith from the Toronto Star, uh, in a few minutes' time. But but let me add a couple more to you. Just now, some, not all, but some are starting to realize how good this Raptors team is. 
and how dangerous they might be come playoff time for those top seeds that don't want to see them. But it wasn't that long ago, month ago, two months ago, certainly beginning of the season, when what was the main talking point? Actually, what were the two main talking points about the Raptors, in my opinion at least? This is a rebuilding year for the Raptors, or at least a retooling. Not that we were saying that. We both said that we had Toronto somewhere a couple above, a couple below 500, and fighting for the playoffs. And here they are. But many people, especially stateside, they're not going to be that good. They're not among the playoff teams in the East. They're going to be on the outside looking in. They'll be lucky if they're in the bubble. Again, rebuild, retool. That was one narrative. The second was the Raptors might have got it wrong with Scotty Barnes. Can't believe they didn't go after Suggs. Who's going to be their backup point guard? What's going to happen with the Raptors overall at that position? Do they have enough with Fred Van Vliet? You know, is Scotty, was it, was it a reach, even though he's projected to go fifth, right? Those were two of the main talking points about this team. So then you've got a guy yeah. going out and silencing the critics with his play, as you just eloquently laid out how good he's been in so many different facets, and doing it on a team that all of you, or many of you, said was not going to be that good. So don't sit here now and say, oh, well, hold on. He's got Fred and Pascal and OG and Gary Trent. What, you mean those same four guys I just mentioned that you didn't think were going to be that great this year, that were going to be rebuilding or retooling on the fly? But now you see that yeah. they're good, and you're going to use that against Scotty mm -hmm. Barnes because he allegedly has more talent around him? No, 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 no. You can't play both sides of that argument. Uh, a great, great point, Eric. And, and uh, I, I, you know, winning counts, winning counts. And, you know, three weeks ago, a month ago, when it was this close between Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley, people were saying, well, Mobley's team's in third. You're right. You're right. And that's, that's tough to, that's tough to knock down. It's, 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 it's tough to over, override that and say, well, it doesn't matter. No, it does matter. Because this thing is about winning. That is the bottom line. This is not, you know, this is a, it's a zero-sum game. You're either winning or losing. Uh, and right now, now I know people will give the argument, well, look at, look at what happened to Cleveland when Mobley went out. Okay, well, fine. Like that's, you know, maybe that's proving his worth more. But they're still losing, and he's not playing. Mm -hmm. So how can he be better than the guy who is in there playing? So I, I just think it's going to be... I'm not, look, I don't want people to think that Scotty Barnes should be the rookie of the year. I mean, they can. I think he very well could be. Um, it's going to be a close race. But I think it, it should be a lot closer than people estimate because I don't think, um, I, I don't think people, our voting colleagues in the U.S., watch the team, you know, certainly not like we do there every night. But they don't watch complete Raptor games. They might watch highlights. They might look at box scores. They might talk to people. But hey, man, if you if you if you read the v movie reviews and listen to movie critics, you'd never go to a movie. So true enough. See it for yourself. And there are numbers that line up for Scotty. There are there's the eye test if you're watching that line up for him. I think he's the rookie of the year. I think it should be a really close race. I'm really interested to see how that shakes down. I, and look, we're going to see a guy tomorrow night, E, who I think is first team all rookie too. Uh, he was the first one to a thousand points as a rookie. 
in Orlando. And no, it's not Jalen Suggs. It's Franz Wagner. And, mm-hmm. and my all-rookie team would be Barnes, uh, Mobley, Cunningham, Giddy, and Wagner. And I, I tell you what, Davion Mitchell, uh, who prob- people probably had their, had their eyes on him last night for the spectacular dunk he had, he's had a solid year for Sac- Sacramento, and he could be first-team all-rookie as well. One of the, those, those are my six, pick five. All right. All right. I'll give you, I'll give you mine a little bit later in the show. <laughs> Because I want to go quickly back to last night uh, before we move on to our first guest, Doug Smith from the Toronto Star, going to join us in a couple of minutes. Speaking of the rookie, Scotty Barnes, 17 points last night on 7 of 9 shooting, adding 5 rebounds, 4 assists, a block, and a seal. Sounds pretty damn good, doesn't it? He sat on the bench to start the second half because he had a flat first half, and Nick Nurse was trying to send a bit of a message to him. And he clearly got that message because he was a house on fire in the second half. And again, those final stat lines, 7 of 9 for 17, 5, and 4 with a block and a steal. And he only played 25 minutes and didn't start the second half. It's pretty damn good. 29 points for you know Gary I, Trent Jr. Go ahead, uh, sorry, go ahead, Jonesy. You know what I call it, right? As, as, as the, the, the great Bob Knight said in a clinic at U of T, Looked at all the coaches. He said, here, take this down. Write this down on your pads. Get your pen out. Here's the best two-part coach's motivational tool. He said, you put them together, and they work. every. It works every time. Players ask my bench. <laughs> yep. He's bang on. He's bang on. Uh, as I was starting to say, Gary Trent Jr., 29 points last night on 9 of 13 shooting, adding a couple of rebounds, but 6 of 8 from distance. OG Ananobi with 22 on 9 of 13, including 4 of 4 from distance. That's, what's the bad math? Carry one, two, 10 of 12 from Ananobi and Trent from distance. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, 12 points, 8 assists in the ballgame, and Pascal Siakam, who had an off-night scoring, but a career-high 13 assists, adding 10 rebounds, 12 points, the triple-double for Siakam. And after the ballgame, Trent, following his 29-point performance, was asked about playing with Siakam this year and if he's learned something more or something new about Pascal that perhaps he didn't know or didn't see when playing in the Western Conference in Portland. Sure, you know, being around certain guys and being around a certain team, you can see how guys, you know, work, how they carry themselves, and he really works. He really gets to it. He really sets the tone on, you know, what it means to, you know, be a pro, uh, be a, a terrific player, and that's why you see what he does and what he does, how he does it. You know, he comes in, he's working every single day, he's showing and proving, and, you know, like I said, he's a great talent. I'm glad he's on our team. That again, Gary Trent Jr. talking about Pascal Siakam and Siakam with the triple-double last night in 40 minutes again. 13 assists, 12 points, 10 rebounds. One player I didn't mention in, in everything that was going on off the bench, Thaddeus Young was solid again. 10 points, 4 rebounds, couple of assists, 2 of 3 from distance. But also, Precious Achua, 13 points, 4 boards, 5 of 9 from the floor, including 3 of 7 from distance. He's the one that started the second half in place of Scotty Barnes. And after the ball game, Nick Nurse talking about Precious and the confidence he's been building since the All-Star break, maybe even a little bit earlier, from three-point range. Congratulations. Oh. You finally got it. Ah, finally, yes. Got yes. Sure they, uh, don't take away any of those rebounds? I don't know. We got we to see. They might take it away. Skelsey Ackham. 
So we might hear from Nick Nurse in a couple of seconds here. Unless unless Nick Nurse has been working on his Pascal Siakam impression, I would say pretty damn good, by the way, if that was an impression. But as you might have heard there, Pascal's saying, yes, he finally got it, because this is something, Jonesy, that we talked about earlier in uh, our broadcast last night, the fact that Pascal had the triple-double earlier this year, and we talked all about it and, the, and, and, and gave him his flowers and everything else, only to find out a day later that the league reviewed the tape, and they took away... Didn't they take away two, at least one? I thought they might have taken away two rebounds, but either way, he did not finish with the official triple-double. But last night, it was locked in, and it was indeed official. Yeah, um, <clears throat> good for him. Uh, he, he really, uh, you know, he really found a way to impact the game, um, even though his scoring was off. You know, he had 40 the other night, uh, and now he comes back with... Yeah, kind of a, a tough night on the offensive end, but from from a shooting standpoint. But as you said, you know, the triple double has an impact on the game. Career high, thirteen assists. So guys finding a way, man. Guys finding a way, and <clears throat> I, I, it's really enjoyable to sit and watch this team play and watch uh, them play together. Eric, you talked about it with their floor spacers back. Trent and Ananobi. What did OG have? Thirteen straight points at one juncture. Yep. yep. Um, uh, and and you know, so you put Fred OG and and pass uh, Fred OG and and uh, Gary Trent. Trent Jr. on the floor with Pascal bullying his way into the lane. You know, you're going to give something up. You're going to give something up. Well, and then you come off the bench with Boucher and Achua and Young starting to launch from distance. Those three last night, a combined 6 of 13 from long range. But again, Nick Nurse, after clearing his throat and working out his Pascal Siakam impression, here he is talking about Achua. To see that we came out, and I thought, I thought the biggest thing is uh, early in the game, I looked now we had 19 assists. You know, and it was it was a lot of guys making the right plays and obviously making shots. We shot the ball really well early. We ended up shooting it really well for the entire game, but I think we were 10 of our first 15, which was good to see. And yeah, playing good, playing hard, and taking care of business. All right, moving the ball well. So not specifically on Achua, uh, but but certainly uh, Nick did comment after the ball game about the confidence that he saw from Precious Achua, uh, and hence the reason he went with him in the second half of the ball game. But further to the point that Nick was just making right there, 32 assists, Jonesy, for the Raptors on 48 field goals. Um, great, great ball movement, and, and it speaks to what we just said a minute ago. What are you going to try and choke off? Um, because if you don't, if you don't get the ball out of Pascal's hands in the lane, he's going to he's going to punish you. He's going to he's going to hurt you. He's going to score. And for the most part, Ian, we've seen this. He knows there's going to be contact, and he's playing through it. Uh, he he reminds me of one of those old-school 80s guys right now is just kind of putting his head down. I'm going in there. I know I'm going to get banged around. I know I'm going to get hit. If it's bad, I'll ask for a call, but I know what's coming, and, and Pascal's doing that really well right now. Yep, no doubt about it, Jonesy, and they'll certainly need Pascal at that level again uh, on Friday night as the Raptors get set for the Orlando Magic. And uh, we mentioned uh, a little bit earlier that game, kind of a weird one again on the schedule. It's, you know, I'm not going to sit here and whine and cry about it, Jonesy, but it is bizarre that the Raptors go through a stretch of eight games, uh, at eight out of nine on the road, and they were home for that one game against the uh, 
what, against the Lakers, I believe, right before going back out on the road again. And now you finally have a homestand and an extended homestand, but it's interrupted by, oh, yeah, fly three hours down to Florida for one game and then come right back up again to host Miami on Sunday. So we're going to talk more about the Magic uh, on, on tomorrow's show. Uh, and preview that game, but as it will be the final show of the week as well, we will dip into um, Sunday and that tilt against Miami. Maybe just a quick comment here before we hook up with Doug Smith, but that will be certainly a fun one on Sunday with Kyle Lowry and the Heat coming to town. I mean, it was going to be great either way, even if Miami was at the bottom of the standings. It's Kyle's first game back, but the fact that the Heat will be coming to town potentially as the number one seed, that's where they are right now, as the number one team in the East, that will have a lot a lot of energy and juice and flow into the building on Sunday uh, evening. Sure will. Uh, sure will. Like you, you're hoping if you're a Raptor fan and want to pay tribute to Kyle that uh, he does play. I mean, he's played the last couple of games with Miami, so, y- you know, your guess would be he would play. But uh building's going to have a lot of energy. And, again, all that aside, you don't know where people are going to finish at the top. Miami's won, but they're – uh, what a game up on Milwaukee, a game up on on Milwaukee, and actually it's tied in the loss column. Yep, it, it's potentially two wins by Milwaukee, and you're tied there. And Milwaukee can definitely impact that. They're a game up on Philly in the in the uh, in the loss column, and only two up on Boston. So it, it's it's uh, it's it's real tight. And and this could be we could be looking at a playoff matchup even between Toronto and Miami, a preview in that sense. Let's bring into the conversation right now from the Toronto Star. Been covering the Raptors since day one. Uh, writer, author, Doug Smith. Smitty, appreciate the time as always. Hello, guys. How are you doing today? Doing well. All good, doing Smitty. Well, Smitty. Hey, you know, Doug, let, let me just stay with Lowry for a second. We can look back to last night. We can look ahead to tomorrow. But it's going to be kind of like uh, old home week next week with the Lowry celebrations, I'm sure, and the tribute and the, the, the homecoming that he will have on Sunday evening. But then a couple of games later, Danny Green, almost three years removed, will finally get his championship ring in Toronto. And I, I guess, Smitty, my question from a Raptors perspective is, I don't know how many guys are going to get caught up as much as the fans will get caught up, but you got to kind of make sure you put that stuff aside because those are two big games against Miami and Philly, and you can't be distracted by your home crowd giving love to the opposition and kind of giving Danny and Kyle their moments. You just got to put the blinders on and focus on the task at hand. Oh, yeah, and I'm sure they will. Like It'll be emotional for the people, no question about it, but the players know what's at stake, and frankly – yeah, they've, they've seen Kyle. They've talked to him. They know what's going on. They played against Danny a hundred times, it seems, since he left. So, yeah, I, it, they are huge games, and I, I'm certain that the Raptors will treat them as as they need to and not get swept up. You know, it'll be loud, but it's loud every night in there. So that's, that's kind of cool. Uh, Smitty, you talked to uh, your colleagues south of the border, and, and, and I know you're in frequent communication with, with people down there. What's the perception of this team? Like Eric and I, you know, maybe, maybe we, for not traveling as much this year, I don't have as as good a feel for that. But I, I get, I'm under the notion that people think this is a good team, but they're really starting to take them seriously now. And I, I you know, I don't know how many. I mean, you you watch Raptor games wall to wall. You watch the whole thing. I don't know how many of our colleagues in the U.S. sit there and 
they're not responsible for a team, but do they sit and watch a complete Raptor game for 48 minutes? No, nah, not very often. Now, like, you know, the odd big one against, you know, uh, against the Boston, for instance, the other night, or I'm sure everybody, everybody will watch Miami on Sunday and Philly on Thursday. But, yeah, they, they don't see them as closely, nearly as closely as we do, obviously. I think they realize that they're good because they see them winning 10 out of 12, and so they know they're, they're hot and they're rolling. But once they look at them, they think, wow, these guys play hard. And they're never, they never give up on games kind of thing. And I think, you know, anecdotally, when I was out west, for instance, in, in, in Denver and, and Phoenix and the two games in L.A., the guys I know and the women I know who cover those teams are, were all came away with, man, these guys are – no one wants to play them in the playoffs. And they just play hard and got a lot of – yeah, weird roster. A weird roster of a lot of guys six eight to six ten, and that presents problems. And I think the perception is that no, that they're going to be a hard playoff out. The Raptors are. Smitty, you can choose not to answer this if you don't want to, but I'm going to ask the question anyways. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you have at least a ballot, if not multiple ballots. Um, correct. You have. You will be voting yeah, for got, at least one. I got all. I got all nine. I got everything. Just got oh, on the got oh boy, man, man oh boy. Doug Smith, Eric, oh, we got a live someone's one. Someone's got some juice. We got a, wow, <laughs> yeah. we, we got a live one. We need a bigger boat. We need a bigger boat. E, we need a bigger and I, boat. And I, know how I'm, I know how I'm spending my Saturday and Monday, going pouring over numbers and film and video and my own thoughts because man, they're hard, all hard. Well, all you, right, you, e, just, you go you first. Just kinda, Okay, hold on. You just kind of answered my question because I was assuming you were going to say I have two or three, and then my follow-up was going to be, do you want to tell us who you might be voting for? But I'm not going to ask you for all nine. We don't have 20 minutes. But, Smitty, you also did just answer the second part of the question. You have not yet made up your mind. How many people do you think? Because Jonesy and I used to have votes, never had all nine, (laughs) never had that, usually had two or three, but they took it away from the team broadcasters a few years back. So we haven't had a vote in a while. I used to wait until the day before they were due because I wanted to know yes. right until the bitter last second who truly was most deserving. And the last few games might matter in some of the races, quote-unquote, for these awards. So I guess you just, again, kind of answered it, Doug. You're sort of waiting almost to the very last minute before truly putting in your final say. Yeah, I, I, I generally I tend to get them in the second to last day of the regular season, like the, the, the Saturday before the season ends on the Sunday, because I need the time. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm like you, Eric. I want to know how guys are doing right now, as opposed to, uh, uh, you know, two weeks ago or two months ago. Obviously, that factors into it because they are season-long awards. And just because you might be scuffling in the last ten days doesn't mean you weren't great in the first twenty weeks. But I do think there's a recency bias to a lot of the voting, and I, a lot of the people I've talked to in the last ten days are absolutely flummoxed by it. And I think there'll be a lot of guys waiting on it and doing a lot of work. Because uh, like every significant race, you can make a case for two or three or even four guys. So it's going to be it's really going to be hard. There's going to be a lot of uh, I think there's going to be a lot of really close races for all the key awards, the individual awards. And we can't even, Doug, we can't even start that... to talk. We can't even start to talk about the All NBA teams because that's a mess. <laughs> yeah, and and Doug, to me, the three that stand out at the top of my mind. Actually, you know, there's probably more than three if I was honest with myself. Um, the rookie of the year because Mobley got out to such a great Scott start and Scotty just kept playing. His team has overtaken Mobley's team. He's the only rookie with a thousand points and five hundred rebounds. 
Uh, he's the only rookie in the top five. Here's some of your research, Smitty, in points, rebounds, assists, steals, minutes, and blocks. And he's responsible. The eye test, as you know, because you sit and you watch him, the eye test tells you that this guy's guarding all five positions, from star point guards to, 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 to the best big men, for crying out loud. And he's responsible for running your offense as almost like a point point center, point forward at times. And I don't think your colleagues that don't watch Raptor games see that. And Mobley got out to a great start and everybody like, okay, well, he's the guy. I think that's changed. The MVP is the other one, Doug. And, and as you said, the all-NBA teams, if people aren't watching Pascal, they're not going to know how close or how good he is, uh, you know, compared to the other guys at his spot. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jonesy, the rookie one is, is really hard because over the course of the season, they're, they're basically dead even. Mobley was great early, just great. Yeah. But he was also playing next to Jared Allen, but on a team also that got off to a great start. Barnes has done it, like you said, everything for a team that's going to finish ahead of Cleveland. Um, you know, he scuffled the last couple of games, but it doesn't mean he won't finish with six big ones. Um, so, yeah, if I, had to, if I had to vote today, I'd probably kick off Barnes first and Mobley second. But, again, I, I really got to look through a little bit deeper in the numbers and impact on the team. But I think Barnes is going to come out ahead in that assessment. Speaking with Doug Smith from the Toronto Star, Smitty, uh, maybe one or two more here. Uh, I asked this question yesterday. I know I'm not going to get a straight answer from players, understandably so, but maybe I can get one from you. Do you think there's a more favorable matchup for the Raptors in the first round? I mean, listen, I know they're going to be happy to just get in there and happy to lock down a sixth or the fifth, et cetera. I get that. They're not going to jockey because I don't think they're in a position to jockey. They've got to simply win and then see who they play. But if the dust settles in their favor, is there one, maybe even two teams you say those would be more preferable than others? Yeah, that, you know, that's really hard, but I would think that I would think you would put Philly and Milwaukee as a team, Philly and Miami as a team you would prefer to play over uh, Boston and um, uh, Milwaukee. I, I think I, they seem to have an, an antidote, antidote for Embiid. I'm not sure what Harden is going to be like in the playoffs, and I don't think anybody is. Uh, so I think that might be the team that they that they would have the best. They would have a chance against any of the four. But I think if you rank them, I, you, I would probably go Philly, then Miami, then Milwaukee, then Boston, from from preferable to less preferable. All right, all right. I, I probably agree with you there, Smitty. I think I probably agree. Give, give me that um, again, Smitty. I was pro- hold, hold on, Smitty. Give me that again. I, yeah, I was I, processing. I think, Sorry. I think you. I think Philly would be first on the list that they would want to play. Miami would yeah. probably be second. Miami would probably be second. Milwaukee third, and Boston fourth. Or you can flip Boston and my in, in Boston and Milwaukee. Yeah, I might but flip I think, Boston and Milwaukee. I, I think yeah. Milwaukee's flying under the radar. Yeah. Oh, and, and they know how to win, and that that's the thing. I remember talking to a coach early in the season, like well maybe December, and we were talking about the East and who's got what and who's going to be good. And and the one thing the guy said to me was. My, Milwaukee has guys who know how to play in a playoff. And they got three guys who can get you a bucket in a playoff on one possession. And they know how to do it. And I think that's hugely dangerous. And the Raptors have it, too. You know, Raptors have Van Bleed and Siakam and maybe OG. But Milwaukee's got a bunch of guys, and they got the title from last year. 
So I think they're they're pretty they're they're dangerous. I I I, I would not want to get them in a postseason series. Smitty, we appreciate the time as always, and we will see you at the gym on Sunday evening. It'll be a biggie. All right, we'll see you then. Thanks, Doug. There is Doug Smith of the Toronto Star author as well. I always appreciate having him on as the Raptors get set for the Magic tomorrow night. And again, we will have that game right here on Sportsnet 590. The fans, you'll get a double dip of Smith and Jones and then coming up on Sunday as well with the return of Kyle Lowry and the Heat. But more on the Raptors, the postseason awards, the rookie of the year, and a lot of other things around the association when Jared Greenberg joins us next on Smith and Jones. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith and Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Subscribe to Smith and Jones wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review. Download and share. Raptors coming off the victory. Last night over the Minnesota Timberwolves, two up now on Cleveland in the East standings, getting set for the Orlando Magic tomorrow. And then Kyle Lowry returning on Sunday with the Miami Heat. Heat currently sitting in first in the Eastern Conference. Lots to discuss around the association as uh, we bring into the conversation a friend of the show, Jared Greenberg from NBA and TNT and NBA TV. Jared, thanks for the time as always. It's great to be speaking with you. Jonesy, I'm going to let you take it right off the bat because I know you got you got you got like both barrels oh ready boy. for Jared. Go for it. Oh boy! No, I, oh boy. Jared's one of the guys I actually think that because he covers the league the way he does, he has to watch. Oh, Jared, absolutely. My, my contention yep. is my contention is a lot of our colleagues, especially stateside, yeah. uh, don't sit and watch full Raptor games. And now that it's come down to mm-hmm. voting, like I I I, I heard um, listen to one. Uh, national outlet in the U.S. yesterday that talked about Rookie of the Year. And for about, I don't know, four or five minutes on the show, mentioned Kate Cunningham and Evan Mobley, and I didn't hear Scotty Barnes at all. And I think it's going to be a very close race. And I, I just wonder, you know, how much people sit. I mean, they're not the Lakers, who, whether they're good or a train wreck, people have their eyes on them. They're not, right. you know the Warriors that have Steph Curry or, or, or the Nets that have Kevin Durant, I wonder how much people sit and actually watch a Raptor game wire to wire so they're not just basing votes on stats, but the eye test is part of it too. So, <clears throat> Jonesy, I woke up this morning and I checked my calendar and I said it, it's starting to feel like April. And I, I just wanted to confirm because I wasn't sure how many days March had in it. Is it <laughs> is it 30 or is it 31? And I was wondering, because I started to, to sense on Twitter, from Raptors Twitter in particular, this lack of respect conversation. It, it just feels like April, because that's when it really kicks into high gear. And I'm, I'm excited for it. Uh, first and foremost, I'm, I'm disappointed in the Raptors for screwing up the whole scenario of the Nets having to go to Canada without Kyrie Irving for a play-in game. So, way to go, Raptor fans. Uh, you guys checked one box there. Uh, but but on to the next. Um, you know, the, the awards, I think, are interesting. And, and I, I sensed we were going to talk awards, so I started preparing for the, uh, the all-NBA part of the conversation, which I'm guessing we're going to get to here in a second. 
Um, I did not brace myself for the rookie of the year conversation because I don't even think it is a conversation. I think in my mind, I'm, I'm going to sit down and the ballots got sent out to us yesterday. And we've got now uh, about a week and a half to get our ballots in to Ernst and Young. And um, I, I mean, it's, it's a matter of whether I put Scotty on the, on the number one line or the number two line. To me, it's, it's not even a conversation beyond that. Uh, he's, he's going to be number one or number two. And I'm leaning right now, to be perfectly honest with you, for number two. I just think uh, Evan Mobley's um, impact on, on the Cavaliers this year has been what has uh, led to them being uh, among the league's elite defensive teams in the league this year. So that's where I stand on the Rookie of the Year conversation. But the lack of respect thing did not surprise me. The Rookie of the Year conversation did, Jonesy. You got me on that one, so good job with the double barrels coming out of the bat. <laughs> well, I, well, I, I think you've got more, don't you, Jonesy? Give, give him some of your numbers, Jonesy, you know, because you, you had it laid oh. out because he just, you know, he, he admitted that. So, and, and not that. Listen, Jared, just to be clear, too, we don't have ballots as team broadcasters, but if we did, I'm with you. It would be a flip of a coin at this point, one or two, two or one, and I'd be quite happy, even though I'm not a big fan of participation ribbons, I'd be quite happy if it ended up right. being split and they shared it because it's happened before, and I think they're both deserving. Yeah. But Jonesy had some numbers that might tend to lean a little bit more towards Scotty and right. the impact that he's had on Toronto just as much as Mobley has in Cleveland. You know, and, and Jared, and here's the thing. I, I know the guy, both, both, I know my broadcast partner on the other end of the line. If we did have votes, uh, maybe to, sh- to the chagrin of our organization, to not look like homers, I might put Mobley first, even though I think Scotty deserves right. it, right? Because that's why they, I mean, it was pressure from front offices, I think, that eventually did team, team people in in terms of getting ballots. Because like, they're public. Everybody can see who you voted for. Right. But Scotty's, Scotty's a kid, only rookie with 1,000 points, 500 rebounds going into last night. Uh, Franz Wagner was the first to 1,000 points, not, and he'll, he would have been on my ballot too. Um, and, and Scotty, top five for rookies, points, rebounds, assists, blocks, steals. Um, the only rookie in the top five in all those categories. And I know some people vote by numbers, uh, but you're a guy that watches. Yep. So you, and, I, and I trust you when you say the impact because that is a point that does make sense because Mobley has had to do more maybe, but recently Scotty's impact having to play many different positions. He's your point center. He guards yeah. every position. Uh, you know, he, it, it's that close. It's that close. So yeah. one, two, well, well, I'll tell I, you. I, I, I can yeah. see that. I'll tell you, a couple of years ago, I started changing my philosophy on how I vote for Rookie of the Year. I think, I think a lot of us look at the Rookie of the Year as an extension of how we vote for most valuable player, and we apply the same logic to how we vote for MVP to Rookie of the Year. And I changed it a couple of years ago because I really thought about it. And I think, I think it, it doesn't make sense to apply the same standards to MVP as it does Rookie of the Year. Um, Agreed. For me, Rookie of the Year is about who's the best rookie. Like, who, who is the guy? And it's not, it's not projecting who's going to be the Hall of Famer or who's going to be the first to be an all-star. It's this year – who was the best rookie? And, and I throw around the impact word because I think that, that, that allows for a little bit of a tiebreaker in that conversation. But it shouldn't be the same standards of 
who's the best rookie on the best team or who's the, the, the guy who led to the most wins because I think it's unfortunate. It's, it's, and, and I don't, I, honestly, I don't care about fair or not fair, but I don't think it's, it's right to penalize a guy like Franz Wagner who's on an atrocious Orlando team because really if you want to talk about a lack of respect for rookie of the year conversation, it's him. Right, like, and 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 I know you you guys know this how how amazing he's played, how durable he's been this year. Like, if you just go by the guy who's had the most consistent year and avoided injury, and and obviously Scotty's in that conversation, but it's Franz Wagner, right? And and he's because of the recent surge by Kate Cunningham, he's going to get tossed out of the mix here. So he's the guy that's that's getting screwed in this whole thing, in my mind. But it's not; it shouldn't be the same as MVP. And I think I think for me, like. The MVP is not the best player in the league, but the rookie of the year should be the best rookie in that year in a vacuum. Mm. Speaking with Jared Greenberg. All right, can we can we put a bow on the rookie chatter for a second, guys? Because yep, Jared, yep. I, I actually was gonna I was gonna dance around the NBA a little bit here, but you brought up saying that you were prepared for all NBA talk. So listen, I don't want to put your yeah. research to waste. So uh, I'll, yeah. I'll ask the Toronto question then. Where's Pascal in your All-NBA, or is he even in your All-NBA? So, excuse me, guys. He's absolutely in the conversation. What I have not been able to dive into yet, because I've not really opened up my ballot from the NBA, and this is a huge bone of contention for me, and I think almost every person who submits an All-NBA vote, is the way the league does this. And, And I just want to put some clarity for some fans to understand this. It is not... It is not the 15 best players in the league, and it is not the five best players that get the first-team All-NBA. And we all, I think, wish it was. And this needs to be changed immediately from the NBA because what you get on your ballot is you have to vote on first-team All-NBA, your two best guards, your two best forwards, and then your best center. Now, what the NBA's done in recent years to get a little tricky with this whole thing, to make it even more confusing, is that they have opened up the positional uh, determinations for players. And the NBA determines this, not not the player himself, not the league, not not, not, not not the teams, not the agents, not the media, but the league goes in and says, okay, Nikola Jokic, you've played every single minute this season at center, but let's make you eligible at the forward position for voting for all NBA. And I've got to look at the ballot to see this because, you know, for me in in an ideal world, my first team, all NBA ballot would mirror my MVP ballot, where it's the top five MVP votes that I hand out are the top, are the first team, all NBA, right? Like, so in my mind, you shouldn't even have to vote for an all first team NBA it should be whoever your top five is and your MVP should be your first team all NBA. And they don't allow you to do that. And I, and I have some real issues this year and I'm going to have some hard decisions to make on my ballot, which I know ultimately are going to be second and third guest, not just by people on NBA Twitter, but by myself because of, of how this process has come down and, and, and just how confusing the NBA has made it. We need this to make this positionless. We need the, the top five players, and ultimately we need to, at the end of the year, say, first team, thir- second team, third team, these are the 15 best players in the NBA this year, 
And the NBA simply refuses to allow us to do this due to some ridiculous um, footnote that's apparently in the collective bargaining agreement that, in my mind, still doesn't make sense. With that said, um, I, I think Siakam should be third-team All-NBA. I do. But what's going to happen here is a couple of things. People are going to want to find a way to get Embiid and Jokic both on the first team, which, if you go back to what I said at the beginning, takes away one of your six forward spots that you get first team, second team, third team. You get two on each. Right. That eliminates a spot. That makes it difficult for Siakam now if you move a center. What's going to happen with Carl Anthony Towns? I would imagine, now I haven't dove into this completely, but I would imagine Carl Anthony Towns is my second team center. But does somebody want to does somebody want to put Towns as a forward? Is he eligible as a forward? And again, I, this is my ignorance. I have not looked at the ballot. It's way too confusing to go in and, and look at a ballot without actually submitting your vote. Like you can't just do research. It's it's a mess. But um, so all of that said, Siakam, yes, in my mind, is one of the top six forwards in the NBA this year. But if we start messing around, which is going to happen, and putting centers at forward positions, I don't know if he's going to get in. Interesting. That's a long-winded answer. Interesting. No, no, no. But, Jared, you're right, it, it, and it makes perfect sense. And that's, like, you know, you look at it, I think Pascal's one of the top 15 players, but he may not necessarily right. get something because he's squeezed out by position. J- Jared, what do, what do you make of the Nets? Uh, they're the team that everybody seems to be talking about in the East and the Lakers in the West. I know we're running up against the clock, but um, do they have enough runway to put this thing together and and win the whole thing like everybody in Las Vegas sure thinks they do have a chance to do that? Well, I joked, I joked at the beginning that the Raptors screwed this whole thing up, and, and I know the Raptors, along with every NBA team, their goal this year was to be in the top six of their respective conference, avoid the play-in. But boy, oh boy, would it have been interesting if the Nets had to go to Toronto without Kyrie to win to win a game or at least, you know, um, move on in that situation. I, I think that they're going to have a much easier time facing Cleveland in that 7-8 in that game in Cleveland than they would have Toronto. Um, I think the Ben Simmons thing has to be thrown out of the mix. I think we have to forget about him for this year. He'll be a a thing of the future for the Nets. Um, yeah, I do think they are incredibly dangerous. And I think what they've added in, in, in Seth Curry and Andre Drummond, two pieces that Philadelphia, in order to match the salaries of James Harden to send with Ben Simmons, had to send along. And, and I think it makes a lot of sense um, to, to believe that they could win because there's been no clear defined team in the East so far. Although I think Milwaukee's still the best team. I still don't feel like there's a clear defined team that you can say, all right, this is it this year. So it's going to be fun, guys. Jared, we appreciate the time as always, man. As Jonesy said, we are up against the clock. So uh, we've got to step aside, but always appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll talk again either before uh, the postseason or once the playoffs are underway. And I know you'll be busy, but uh, we always appreciate you carving out some time for us. Thanks very much, man. Well, well, hopefully I get a spring trip to Toronto this year. I missed there you go. So I'm looking forward to seeing you guys in the postseason. Awesome. All right, Jared. Jared. Thanks, guys. There's Jared Greenberg, reporter and host with uh, NBA TV and the NBA on TNT. And uh, just quickly, we've got about another minute or so left here, Jonesy. There was a report yesterday, and you and I kind of speculated about this without having any information, just kind of asking the question, what if or is this a possibility? 
Well, it was now even presented out there by ESPN yesterday, our friend Tim Bontemps, mentioning that he reached out to contact sources looking for confirmation from uh, Miami, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Boston, all potential first-round opponents for the Raptors, looking to confirm whether or not their rosters are fully vaccinated and thus able to play in Toronto. Apparently, Milwaukee is, Miami is, the Sixers and the Celtics declined comments which would lead one to believe that perhaps they aren't fully vaccinated. Does that play into, perhaps, was it injury management? Or was it vax-related when Tatum, Brown, and Horford didn't play the other night? And and E, are they going to start dancing around games at the top to make sure they don't have Toronto? Possibly. 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 Things that make you go, hmm... (laughs) subscribe to Smith and Jones wherever you get your podcasts yes conspiracy theories are us (laughs) subscribe to Smith and Jones wherever you get your podcasts we're back on Friday with another edition thanks for tuning in folks